our unconscious processing that goes on all the time. We'll notice it every now and then. For example, if you're trying to tell a friend about a movie and you can't remember the name of the movie, and an hour later when you're doing something totally different, it pops in your head. Well, during that hour, all that unconscious processing was going on and accessing information that you couldn't access in the moment by day. There's just such a large field of experience and knowledge that we get to tap into in our sleep. Kind of a yin-yang thing almost, the way our sleeping life informs our waking life and vice versa? Yes, I think that's a wonderful analogy. As the title of your book, The Secret Life of Sleep, conveys, we don't know that much about sleep because it lies outside of our conscious awareness. And You've done a lot of research into the science of sleep. How much do we really know about it? Oh, well, I'm sure we're, we're still scratching the surface. The scientific inquiry of sleep is actually fairly recent, just started up in the middle of the 20th century with the development of things like the electroencephalogram and other brain imaging techniques that have allowed us to find out that there's a lot of activity going on inside of us when we sleep. But when you get outside of that Western scientific tradition, there are traditions throughout the world that have thousands of years of observation about sleep. And one of the interesting things to me that I discovered in the research here is that ancient Hindu and Buddhist texts from BC times identified stages of sleep that are now being confirmed by neuroscientists here in the 21st century. We're told that the ideal amount of sleep to get is eight hours every night. Is this true? Well, it is a normative average, but I'm sure most sleep scientists and sleep doctors would give you a range of something like seven to nine hours. It is a very individual thing. Some people don't do well unless they have nine or ten hours, and others can do well on four or five. But that's the normative average. Yeah, I think people like Martha Stewart and Bill Clinton have said that they get by on four hours of sleep. Do you think that's possible? Because that's half the recommended daily allowance. Do you think it's really possible to get by on that little sleep? Well, as Bill Clinton has acknowledged, I think he literally said when he was asked if he would give any advice to the incoming President Obama, and he said, get enough sleep. He said, all the mistakes I've made in my political career were from trying too hard and not getting enough sleep. One of the tricky things about if you actually do need more sleep, but you're only Getting four or five, one of the first abilities that we lose with sleep deprivation is that capacity to observe ourselves and look at our behaviors. So someone may think they're doing just fine in four or five hours, but if you talk to their family, they'll say they're irritable and impatient. You talk to their coworkers, and they say they have to go over their work because there's so many mistakes. So we aren't always the best judge. I want to talk about dreaming. There's one thing that I'm especially curious about. Are we conscious when we dream? It's so interesting to think about that, isn't it? That was one of the surprising things as I started to read neuroscientists talking about sleep. Not all neuroscientists, but a good body of neuroscientists say, yes, we are conscious. Rudolfo Linus says that dreaming actually is consciousness itself in the absence of sensory input. And I think the key question is, what are we conscious of? When we're dreaming, we're very conscious of the imaginary world we've created for ourselves, we might say, that we call dreams. We aren't as conscious of what is going on in our environments. You mentioned, I think, in your book that even ancient philosophers said that we're conscious when we dream. Yeah, and even in the West, yeah, you can go back to Aristotle and some of the others, yes. Wow, so it's kind of like if those guys and the other people we were mm -hmm. talking about, ancient civilizations, if they were still 
around. Maybe we'd be further ahead in sleep research, <laughs> just how prophetic they are. What do you think is the biggest sleep-related question that neuroscientists and sleep researchers are still trying to answer? Well, I believe what they would say is why we sleep, because I've often heard that and read that from neuroscientists who study sleep. It seems an odd question to me, or an odd thing that, to think that we haven't answered that question because we've identified so many things that happen in sleep that really couldn't happen when we're awake. But I think that the hesitancy to say that's the reason is because it's still hard for us to accept that we are basically earthly creatures. We are born on this planet that rotates and, and has alternating phases of light and darkness, and we are created in that milieu, and every plant and animal, every cell of our bodies, every single-celled organism has an inbuilt circadian cycle of phases of activity, phases of rest, and I think sleep is just a function of that, and it's hard for us to really believe that we're that earthly.